0: At our church, we love God. Make no mistake about that. At our church, we believe Jesus is God. We're not asking you to change your belief system before you attend our church. We're simply inviting you on a journey toward Jesus. We believe that prayer moves the hand of God, and it's normal for every believer to be intimate with God and devoted to His cause. At our church, we believe the Bible is God's Word. It's real, it's living, and it's active. We believe freedom is the heart of God for every believer, and we value humor, simplicity, teamwork, and a positive outlook on life. At our church, we're about developing great relationships with God, each other, and those in our community. At our church, we believe that Jesus really lived, that he really died on the cross, and that he really rose again on the third day. And we cannot and will not water down or candy-coat that message, ever. And finally, and most importantly, At our church, we're not concerned about where you've been, but where you're going. We believe that all people matter to God, and therefore matter to us. Today, you have chosen to sit yourself in the middle of a very safe place to hear a potentially life-changing message. Welcome to to our our church. church. It is so good to see each and every last one of you today. A couple of faces I hadn't seen in a few weeks, but I'm excited to see y'all. I love y'all, each and every last one of you uh, guys on today. Listen, I believe we have a word from the Lord as we're kicking off a new series. I I, I wanted to title this series something that was going to be bold, something that was going to be strong, something that was going to stand out, something that was going to be impactful. And so the only title that came up to my mind was when I thought about this series was one word sin. Sin is the series of today. Sin is the message of what we're going to be talking about today. And the reason why we're dealing with this, act, this, this word sin, I, I thought about, God, how can I relay sin in a manner that will cause people to understand what it really means and what we need to do? And y'all know y'all, Pastor, he, I love acronyms. And so I thought, okay, well, God, what is going to make sin stick in the hearts and the minds of people? And I said, well, give me something. Give me something fancy that I can shine up and it looks good. And the only thing I could come up with was STOP. It now. When we think of sin, our instant response should be stop it now. It may not be pretty, it may not be fluff, it may not have a lot of pizzazz to it, but it truly has a, a representation and a meaning and an understanding, and it simply means stop it now. When sin approaches you, when things come your way, when things seem to want to entice you, the first thing that you should have to, you should say, the first thing that should come to your mind is that this is sin and as a result of it, I need to stop it now. Before it goes any further, before anything happens, I need to stop it now. And so do me a favor as we prepare to go further in this message. Find your Bibles. Go to the Old Testament for me and find 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. You don't have to stand. You can remain uh, seated. I want to share with you uh, something that God has laid upon my heart as it relates to sin. I want to give you a summary, an overview of the uh, the fullness of 2 Samuel chapter 11. Today we're only going to be dealing with 2 Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 through 5, but eventually we're going to get to the whole passage. But one thing I need you to understand, in 2 Samuel, there's this great individual, many of us know him, his name is David. He's the king. We know David. David was the little shepherd boy that was out in the field, minding his business uh, when uh, he was called to be anointed king. We know David. David is the individual that, when he had, when he went to go serve his brothers uh, some lunch and to take them supplies on the battlefield, he ends up coming into contact with Goliath and he slays Goliath. Yeah, we know David. David is the same individual that uh, when Saul. Uh, heard them saying that, that David has slain his 10,000 uh, uh, David has slain his 100,000 and Saul has only slain his 10,000 that the Saul got all bent out of shape about it and he tried to kill David. We know David. David has always been this great individual that had a pure heart. David has always been this individual that seemed to be that Christian that you don't want to talk to that holy roly that got everything together that never has any problems that every time you see them they're smiling. But this What we see in Samuel chapter 11 is a different David. We see a different David because David is going through. David is going through. What we find out in Samuel chapter 11, when you look at it as an entirety, you have David, you have a young lady by the name of Bathsheba, and her husband, Uriah. Uh, and something happens here because what David does is he forgets who he is. He forgets who he's called to be. And as a result of it, he ends up sleeping with Bathsheba. And, and I don't want to be the one to spoil the story. But if you never read the text and you never understood, then I want to make sure you understand. Not only does he sleep with Bathsheba, but after he sleeps with Bathsheba, he finds out that Bathsheba is pregnant. Uh, she's going to have a baby and she took him on Maury And she says, yes, sir. You are the daddy. Uh, and David, he's in a, a, a mode of panic, and so he doesn't know what to do. This, this is not right. He doesn't need, he don't need evidence of his sin. It's bad enough that he's sinned. And so what David leads on to do, and just giving you a little bit of history about the text, David ends up trying to have, matter of fact, he doesn't try. He does have Uriah killed. He puts Bathsheba's husband on the front line so that he could be put to death to cover up his own sin. First time he tried it, it didn't work. Uriah was a faithful. He, was, he wanted to serve. He didn't want to go because the first thing that he tried to do, he, when David told Uriah to come on in and he found out that he had got Bathsheba pregnant, David was like, well, I'm just going to trick Uriah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let Uriah come in off the battlefield early. And you know how it is. You've been out on the field early. You're tired. You don't don't want to work. All you want to do is come up and home. go home and lay up with your woman. And and so David is counting on that. David's counting on that. So David tells Uriah, man, go home. Kick your feet off. Relax. Because he believed that if he goes home, kicks his feet off and relax him, Uriah and Bathsheba is going to be intimate. And so that will cover up his sin. Because then Bathsheba can say that the baby is Uriah. So y'all think the Bible ain't Ain't got no good stuff in it. People ain't just been starting to run games and play games. It's been going on all this time. Man, the Bible is the best novel that was ever written. Uh, the Bible is the best motion picture that you could ever imagine uh, because of all the confusion. I mean, I want you to think about this. Imagine that Bathsheba was your homegirl, and David was her sidepiece. Just imagine that, that, that this is what you're looking at. Bathsheba's your homegirl, David's her sidepiece, and as a result of Bathsheba's husband being a truck driver over the road all the time, and she just slipped up and got pregnant. Now her husband that came home, she don't want to lose her man, so what does she do? She tries to cover it up. But the thing is, Uriah is so faithful that he's like, man, I'm not going to go home and lay with my wife while my friends and my, my co-workers and my laborers and the gospel and the battle on the battlefield. They're still on the field. I'll, I'll sleep right here outside in front of your door holding watch, David, but I'm not finna... I'm not going to go home. It's not fair for me to lay up and eat a dinner to be with my woman while other people are struggling. It's not fair. David gets frustrated. David gets frustrated, and he writes a letter. He writes a letter to his chief that is on the battlefield. And since Uriah, he couldn't trick Uriah. He gives the letter to Uriah and tells Uriah to take this to the battlefield. And the thing is about this letter, this is how shady David was in the text. David takes this, uh, David gives this, t- this letter to Uriah. Uriah goes to the battlefield and hands it to the chief, and the chief looks at it. And I can only imagine what happens because he, he reads the letter, and I can only imagine that he just looks at Uriah. And, and, and I believe that he probably says, this can't be real. Uriah doesn't know what he has just done. Uriah has delivered his own death certificate. That's what happened. That Uriah delivered his own death certificate. Because somewhere in the text, David writes uh, on that letter. And David is basically saying, hey, I want you to go ahead and pursue battle. Go head first in and put Uriah on the front line. He wants Uriah on the front line. So catch okay, it. So since David couldn't trick him, he says, I'm going to kill him. This is what he says. Since I can't trick him, I'm going to kill him. The Bible goes on to show Uriah ends up on the front line and he dies. Your homegirl Bathsheba allowed her side piece to put her man to death just to cover up her sin. Sin is a dangerous thing. Sin is a dangerous thing. Last week, being moved by the Spirit, I had God, I allowed God to ask me to ask the membership of this church to write down their struggles, to write down their sins, not knowing what would produce for it coming. All I wanted to do was pray over them. I wanted to pray over them. I I want to pray for the people because God has given me leadership over people, and if I don't know the pains of the people, then how can I help the people? I didn't look at those cards until I got home, and my wife would testify that my day was shook when I seen what my people are going through. When I saw that people, when they know that they're not going to be judged, that people, when they know that nobody knows it's them, can, number one, trust me enough to be honest with what is their deepest and dark secret. No matter what it is, whether it was dealing with masturbation, whether it was dealing with infidelity, adultery, lust, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, inability to trust God, whatever it is, I read it. And I was thankful that God allowed me to read it. Because what I come to realize is that many of us are struggling with sin, and we really don't even know how we got there. Many of us are struggling With this darkness. Many of us are struggling with this this demon, with this attachment, with this chain and ball, and we don't even know how we got there. Somewhere in our lives, somewhere along the road, we have allowed the enemy to creep in. And the reality is that we have heard people always say, Stop sinning. But nobody really gives it a clear definition. Just stop doing it. Anything that don't please the Lord. Well, if I've never read the Bible, how do I know that it does not please the Lord? And once I'm engulfed in sin, how do I get out of sin? How do I find myself redeemed from this dark place? How can I get myself in a place where I am in right standing with God? How do I get this feeling of shame off of me? So I wanted to take a minute to make sure that you know that you are not alone. David the good son, David, the Goliath slaver. David, the one who was faithful to King Saul. David, the king of Israel. David, the one who was after God's own heart. David sinned. It is human nature for us to sin. But the reality is that we are not 100% human. There's a percentage of us that is human, and there's a percentage of us that is spiritual. And as a result of it, what we have the battle and the the responsibility to do is to allow our spirit man to overcome our fleshly man, our natural. Allow the spirit man to overcome the natural. And it's hard. Can we just be honest? It's hard it is hard why nobody wants to tell you this but sin feels good I, I don't want to lie to you I want to help you sin feels good sin looks good sin feels good tastes good y'all' just keep telling yourself <laughs> I'm just saying. To the flesh, sin feels good. But the reality is that good feeling does not last. You know what I think about sin? I think about sin as sin is a slab of ribs. It got the good sauce on it. Now I know that God has a proper portion of ribs right here. Three ribs, some cabbage, right here on the plate. That is is God's proper portion of ribs that have been dedicated for me to enjoy. But that slab looks better than those three. So although what God has properly prepared for me to have here, I want that over there. And then what ends up happening is I, I get over there and I eat it. <laughs> I feel good about it. It tastes good. But the next thing you know, I'm hurting because I ate too much. <laughs> I got to find me a safe place to rest and go to sleep. Okay. When the reality of it is the proper portion was right here for me. You know what? For some people, sin is a cake. <laughs> sin is a cake. And you know you're supposed to be eating your vegetables. But instead, you want this cake. And the thing about it is, you're so addicted to sweets, you can't just eat one piece. And you go over there and you partake of that cake and eat so much of it, and the next day you eat more cake, and before you even know it, you got blood problems, you're diabetic, all these things, because you done took in all this cake. Sin looks good, but it's not good for you. I ain't never heard of broccoli giving nobody diabetes. Mm (laughs) I ain't never heard of green beans giving nobody high blood pressure. The same applies for us living a life that is righteous in the eyes of God versus us living a life of sin. And so what I want to do today is I want to start this off with a simple message today entitled The Introduction to Sin. I want to introduce you to sin so that you can be able to identify sin when it comes your way. I want you to be able to identify sin when it comes your way. The reason being is because the truth of the matter is sin will creep up on you. Sin will creep up on you. Don't nobody wake up and just say, hey, this morning I'm just going to sin. I'm going to find me 10 ways to sin. These are my top 10. I, this is what I want to achieve today. What happens is you wake up with a right mind, God, I do want to do right. I do want to honor you. But somehow sin creeps up on you. Sin finds a way to play peekaboo when you ain't even trying to play. Sin texts you. Sin is all up in your inbox when they don't pose to be. Uh, I mean, come on, we, sin finds you. And so, my objective is today how do I keep sin from finding me? Let me introduce you to sin. I want to make sure that you understand how this sneaky character works. One of the first things that David teaches us in this text as we deal with 1 Samuel, chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, the first thing that David teaches us is sin is present when serving is not. I need you to write that down. You may have heard it said this way. An idle mind is a devil's workshop. Sin is present when serving is not. Is not catch this? Look at verse one of Second Samuel chapter eleven. This is what you'll find: the word of the Lord says that it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle. In the spring, what was supposed to happen? Kings were supposed to do what? Go out to battle. But here's what happened. David said, David sent Joab and his servants with him to, and all of Israel. And they destroyed the son of Ammon and besieged Rabbi. But David did what? Stayed in Jerusalem. Catch this. I want to make sure that you understand. The first part of the text says, then it had happened in spring at the time when the kings go out to battle. The king was supposed to go out to battle. It was springtime. This is the way the process flows. It's his responsibility. David, you king. You lead by example. You go out to battle. Then the end of the text says what? But David stayed in Jerusalem. So when David was supposed to be out doing something, he elected to stay in Jerusalem. Pastor, what is you trying to say? Sin is present when serving is not. David is the king of Israel. Israel is God's chosen people, which means that if David is the king of Israel, then David is also the commander-in-chief of the army of Israel, which means that what? David is the commander-in-chief of the what? Army of God. He is the commander-in-chief of the army of God. In the springtime, the commander-in-chief of the army of God has a responsibility to serve on the battlefield. He doesn't get the linger in his palace. He has to serve on the battlefield. He has a job. He has a responsibility. And as a result of it, he is supposed to do it. It's kind of like, I didn't mean to even think about this, but this sorry government that we had that wanted to just sit back and relax when everybody else is not getting paid, but the ain't yet still getting paid. David wants to receive the benefits of being king without putting in the work. Of being king the reason why this stands out this is the reason why I want to share this with you because sin is present when serving is not had David been on the battlefield where he belonged yeah. Bathsheba never would have been a problem so many of us fall prey to sin sneaking up on us why because we are not in the right place at the right time. We find ourselves giving in to being in the wrong place, settling and doing everything that everybody else wants us to do and and, and doing what we want to do. And it's not what's in the will of God. And as a result of it, then sin finds us. It's not by coincidence that sin found you. You're the one that says, I don't want to be where I'm supposed to be. I don't want to do. What I'm supposed to do. Catch this. This is why I say sin is present when serving is not. Because as long as you're serving God, sin can't find you. See, this is what happens. The reason why sin finds us is because we stop serving. Okay, y'all don't understand. Okay. If I was out passing out flyers and inviting people to come and worship the church. God, I I just want to, man, we're starting a new church. Hey, come to church. This is what I was doing. My mind is centered on a kingdom-minded vision, on doing something kingdom-minded. So I don't care that I'm outside of the gym and men is coming out with their tight, sweaty bodies and I'm heading to fly. I'm not thinking about that. Why? Because I'm I'm trying to win your soul. But what happens is when my my motives are not Mm kingdom-driven, then sin finds me. When I am not thinking about how can I honor God, see, this is the problem with many of us. When we wake up, we don't think about how we serve God. God, how can I serve you today? Because the reality is that if if every motive that I have, if every time that I have a conversation with somebody, if every time that I perform a task is all about serving God, then sin can't find me. Why can sin not find me while I'm serving? Because I'm focused on serving I'm focused. Have you ever noticed that sin finds you at the right time where you frustrated and, and think your man ain't acting right and, and everybody treating you wrong? Nobody wants. You, you never noticed that your ex just get in your inbox at the right time? Yeah. You never noticed that? Yeah. It ain't that he ain't been looking for you. You've lost focus. You lost focus. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. I'm going to testify. My wife might whoop me later, but I'm going to go on and get it out. Now, everybody know my my birthday was just last week. Had a great time. Had a great time. Thanks, everybody, for bowling, everything. We had a great time. I was in the car with my wife. Hardly ever ride with my wife. And it's my birthday. And y'all know how the devil is. He just gets in your inbox. And I, I'm not one of them people that hide. You know, my phone is wide open and everything. I get an inbox from an old lady friend that shouldn't even be inboxing me. And, and it was all like, hey, give me your number so I can call you. And, and my wife think I don't know my wife. And even though she's driving, I can see she want to slap me right then while she's driving. But the greatest thing that I was able to do was like, hey, first of all, check the history. Ain't no conversation been going on with this individual. And number two... She's asking for a number, which means she doesn't what? Already have the number. Right. Now, catch this. Had I been in the wrong, <laughs> sin might have gotten me. Yeah. But because I was focused yeah. on, this is my wife sitting right here, <laughs> and I know what I need to be doing, it kept me from what? Entertaining sin. Yeah. Many of us fail at living a life that is sinless because we don't have enough focus to keep from entertaining. Because that's what happens. When you lose focus, you begin to entertain. And people think, oh, there's, there's nothing wrong with entertaining. There's nothing wrong with talking. I mean, I can talk to anybody. She's just a friend. He's just a friend. But conversation always leads to somewhere else. David teaches us that if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, then sin can't find you. But David teaches us a second principle, and the second principle that he teaches us is sin is the product of selfishness. I need you to understand that. If you are sinning, it's because you are selfish. You're selfish, and why do I say that you're selfish? Number one, you don't care about God's feelings. Because if you were truly faithful to the kingdom of God, you wouldn't sin against God. This is not just talking about adultery. This is any type of sin. Whatever your sin is, whatever your dark secret is, if you fall prey to sin, it's because you're selfish. You don't care about God. And guess what? You don't care about the people who depend on you. All you care about if you're willing to sin is yourself. As a pastor of this church, if I'm willing to fall prey of sin, I'm showing you three things. Number one, I don't care about God. I don't care what he's saying in his word. I don't care that I'm a representation of him. I'm going to do what I want to do. Number two, I don't care about my family because I don't care what they look like in the eyes of others. I'm going to do what I want to do. And I don't care about y'all church folks either because I'm going to do me. I'm going to live my best life now. That's what sin is. That is essentially what you're telling the people. So why be fake and shady about it? Just tell them. Just tell them I don't care about you. Don't be like, oh, I love you. And then go over here, baby, I love you too. No, 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 no. I don't care about you. I enjoy you, but I don't care about you. I don't appreciate you. I don't value you. Because if you can't do that, If you can't be honest with them, how do you even think that you're being honest with yourself? Sin is the result of selfishness. My wife called it, you want your cake and eat it too. And she followed it up, homie, it don't work like that. I'm like, but baby, why would you buy a cake if you can't eat it? She said, I don't know, but you're not going to have your cake and eat it too. This is how sin introduces himself. Sin shows you cuz he catches you where you don't even supposed to be the sin it begins to take root because it becomes a product of your, your selfishness. I want you to look at verse 2 through 4 of the text. Look at what happens. You see David is selfish. David says in verse, in verse 2, Now when the evening came, now David has woke up, and after the evening came, David arose from his bed. He'd been laying up while people are on the battlefield. He'd been lazy while people are out serving. And then he's up, and he's out of bed, and he walked around on the roof of, his, of the king's house. And from the roof... He saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. Now, this is where he begins to entertain. David says, Ooh, she's cute. And then David goes on to verse 3 So David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Hence this, David says, One of them said, This is what happened. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eileen? The wife of Uriah, the Hittite, this should have been, stop it now. That that was the key sign. Let's not go any further. Up until this point, David has not sinned. David has not sinned yet. Yes, he was in the wrong place, but he ain't done nothing yet. Sin just found him in the wrong place. Yes, he's seen something he shouldn't have been looking for, but he, he still could have turned around and went away. But David inquires. Who that girl over there? Rich, where do you know her from? That's what David does. And as a result of it, David has one person in his whole crew that cares about him. Because that one person said, whoa, 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 David, man, that's, that's Bathsheba. That's your riot girl, man. They married. They've been married five years. And David, look at what David does. <laughs> David sent the messenger. <laughs> I don't even want to go any further. <laughs> David was in the wrong place. David seen the wrong thing. David heard like that she's the wrong one. She already got somebody. But David still goes and does the wrong thing. Look at what David does in verse 4. David is a sucker. David sent a messenger and took her. This, this, this baffles me because I, I want to know if the Bible is being literal or, or, or what's happening but David just said basically you mine come holler at me have you ever seen the king palace let me show you what I got I'll make it rain you ever bathe in gold before I got you David threw all his best lines at Bathsheba and he took her and when she came to him he laid with her And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. Up until the point where they end up laying together, they were straight. They were straight. You want to know the problem that I have with the text? It never should have got there. It never should have got there. Why? Because, David, you knew you was wrong. But hold on, Bathsheba, you ain't innocent either. You know you got a man. You know you married. You know he out on fighting a war, but you still want to play some games. You want to entertain some foolishness. Sin will never find you if you stay in the right place and you don't entertain the wrong things. David asked, man, who is she? And as a result of it, they say, no, 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 David. That's Bathsheba. She got somebody. I want you to understand the selfishness of David. She, they didn't just say, David, that's Bathsheba. Uh, oh, she married. They said, no, 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 no. David, that's Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. David knows who Uriah is. Uriah is a soldier in his army. Uriah has served with David. Uriah may have d- helped help save David at some point in time. David knows Uriah. But David says... I don't care about you, right. He ain't here right now. His loss is my gain. David says, I don't care about the kingdom of God and what God wants. So what he didn't bless me for being great It's his loss and our gain. Why do I keep saying this over and over that you don't care that when you sin, you are showing that you don't care about God, you don't care about people. And really the truth is you don't care about yourself. Right. And the reason why I keep saying this is because there's never a sin that you can justify. I don't care what your sin is. There's no way for you to justify it. Okay, so what? Your marriage is jacked. Stop cheating and leave. Set them free. Find your peace. Or get counseling. So what? Your wife ain't doing what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it. That don't mean check every site on the, on, the, on the internet. Do what you need to do to protect yourself. So what? You don't know if people will ever trust you. That don't mean keep lying. You got to stop lying at some point in time. So what? You don't know if you're strong enough to trust God. Try. Try to trust God. But the reason why we can't is because sin looks good. You remember when Adam and Eve was in the garden? Satan, the serpent, was talking to Eve and said, Hey, Eve, why don't you eat the apple? And Eve said, No, I can't do that. God told us not to. Eve knew what she was not supposed to do. But Satan says, Why can't you eat it? She says, Why? Because we will die. And Satan says, No, you surely, you won't surely die. Eve had the right mind to do the right thing until she started entertaining the conversation of the wrong thing. And then she began to think, well, I guess I I could do it. God didn't have no issues until they took a bite. That's where sin becomes present. And I want to tell you something. I'm trying to help you right now because I love you. I want to help you because I love you. None of us, as long as you are living, is strong enough To dance with sin and not sin. I want to make sure that you understand this. You're not strong enough. An alcoholic, I don't care how long he's not been on alcohol. There is still a desire in his blood to drink. An individual who has been doing drugs—you've—you've seen those movies where people uh, used to shoot up, and all of a sudden they go to the hospital and they see needles, and instantly their arms start to itch. It's still a desire in them to do it. None of us are strong enough to dance with sin and not sin. In other words, you can't entertain it. You have to stop it. You have to stop it. You can't. I'll let sinner God. I ask that you take this desire away from me. It ain't gonna happen. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. You have to want it. Have you never seen over and over in the Bible when God, when Jesus Christ went to heal people, his question is, was do you want it? It's not that he can't do it, but the question is, do you want it? We'll sit around and we'll keep asking, God, please fix me. God, please fix me. But the only reason we're asking is because we don't want to do it. Anytime you really want to do something, you just do it. That's it. You don't want to go to work, guess what you do? You pick up the phone, you put on your fake, <laughs> I'm not feeling good, and you don't go to work. Why? Because you don't want to do it. It's that simple. So if you don't want to sin, guess what you do? You don't sin. And you figure out what is it is that I have to do to make sure I don't see it. My wife is a nurse at, at a school right now. And it was so funny. I was telling her that when I was a kid at a nurse, I didn't want to be at school. And, I, and when I was a kid at school, I didn't want to be at school. And so I would go to the nurse. And don't know any kids in here do this. Parents, if your kids call you with a fever this week, you know you need to check them. Just make sure. So I was at school. I would get the tom- thermometer. You know, the kids would be coming in. The nurse wouldn't be paying attention. I would take the thermometer out of my mouth, rub it real quick on my pants, get that temperature up, put it back in. Bad, I was just bad, 103, that's all I needed to register, 103, I was good, you can get me on out of here, oh, you need to take them out right now, and that would instantly get me removed from school, why, because I didn't want to do that, I had to think, how do I heat this thing up to get me to a point where I can get out of school, when you really want to do something, you plan to do it, so anybody that's saying, I'm trapped in sin and I can't get out, let me tell you, because you don't want to get out. You don't want to get out. It feels good. It feels good. You like it. You want it. You've encountered it. So you have to put yourself in a position that it changes why you're even fooling with sin. So, David teaches us that sin uh, is present when we're serving, uh, when we're not serving. David teaches us that sin is a product of our selfishness. There's a third principle that sin is, and I want to make sure that you know this, and I want you, because this might fix your whole situation, is sin produces stress. Anybody that leaves here and continues to sin, knowing that sin produces stress, you're a fool. I'm telling you right now. Sin produces stress pastor you don't know that for sure you're not a doctor you don't know that sin is the byproduct of I mean stress is a byproduct of sin I do I can prove it to you look at verse 5 this is what happens in the text now keep in mind David has slept with this woman and so we know when we sleep with people things happen the text says the woman conceived and she sent and told David and said I am pregnant I can only imagine David's face what have I done? I don't even like her like that. She don't even look that cute after the fact. She looked better from the rooftop. That's how we feel after we sin. Come on, can we be honest? It was like it wasn't even worth it. I just set myself back. The crazy part is that that, that that before this, before she even realized she was pregnant, she did everything she could do to clean herself. She wanted to, to purify herself. She wanted to walk, wash the stink off of her. But the problem is that when we sin, soap and water don't get that off of you. It doesn't clean you. The only thing that can save us from sin is salvation. When we look at the text, sin produces Stress. I'm trying not to even get into my next message because as a result of the stress, as a result of him finding out that she was pregnant, David starts to plot. Because he's stressing. Y'all don't know what stress look like. Okay, let me help you. Stress is when you ain't had a password on your phone, but now you got a password on your phone. That's stress. Okay, okay. we live in a time where everybody got a password. Okay, on. Okay. Stress is when you go take a shower and you putting the phone in the shower with you just to make sure don't nobody pick up your phone. Y'all gonna act like y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. When you sin, and it's just easy to talk about adultery and stuff right now because everybody can see that. That's sin. It stresses you. You gotta think hard. The lies you gotta come up with the schemes, you got to run. You got to make some stuff up. Because of the simple fact that you put yourself in a situation that you don't supposed to be in. Stress takes hard. I mean, sin takes hard work, man. It's hard to cheat. It's, it's easy to be faithful. I, I am not that creative. It's, I've been a bad liar my whole life. It's just my thing. I i was... Would, I would, my dad would catch me doing something, and I would, I would no, I didn't do that. Was, you know, one of the funniest thing is, this is a crazy thing. So I missed a lot of school one, one year. At, at, I missed a lot of school one year in school. And, uh, and this is how bad your pastor is at line, y'all. Uh, I went to school. I was in elementary school. I'll never forget it. Edward Tights Elementary School in Pleasant Grove. Uh, I went to school, and the teacher was like, uh, 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 Chris, man, you've missed a lot of classes. You you missed a lot of classes. Uh what what happened? What happened? And this is how bad your pastor is at lying. Y'all know y'all remember that group that they used to have Soul for Real? My love. Do you ever so that's so for real? This is the lie I told my teacher. She said, Chris, you missed a lot of school. Oh yeah, I was on tour with Soul for Real. And um, yeah, I'm one of the I'm one of the band. That is the lie that I told. Do you know how hard it is to sin to lie? It takes you. That was a lie, and I, I don't know, and the crazy part is that she just said, really? And she just, I thought she bought it. Now that I'm older, I just realize how stupid I sound. It's crazy. Sin seems simple, easy, but sin is stressful, because guess what? Once you sin, you got to, once you tell a lie, you got to keep it going. This is what we're going to get into next week, because David sin today. He slept with Bathsheba, and he got her pregnant. But tomorrow, guess what he has to do? He has to to try to set Uriah up. Then he has to turn around after he set Uriah up. Then he has to put Uriah to death. There's so many things that happens as a result of it. Why do you want to put all that stress on your life dealing with sin? I can't keep up with my lies, so I best not tell them. I don't know who I told what to, so it's easy for me just to tell you the truth. If I don't like you, I just don't like you. I got to just be honest with you that we can work on it, but I can't stay in the lie. I remember one time I lied to my wife about something she cooked. She's a great cook now. I love her. I eat everything she cooked now. But it was something she cooked one time, and I was like, "Mm, I like that. That was real good. And then she tried to give it the next day, and I was like, no, I didn't want any. She's like, but you said you liked it. Uh, I didn't really mean that. It would have been a lot easier for me to just tell the truth at the beginning. Now she gets to the point, she tells me, she says, if you don't like it, just be honest. She says to herself, I, I, I'm honestly not thrived about it. And as a husband, I have to catch myself because I still want to lie sometime and be like, baby, you did good. But I realize it's better to tell the truth. The reason I wanted to introduce y'all to sin is because I can't ask y'all to stop something you don't even know how you keep inter- interacting with. Sin finds you when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Okay, pastor, what am I supposed to be doing? As a believer, your, your sight, your vision should always be on kingdom. Seeking the kingdom of God. Seeking the kingdom of God. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom and what? all of the righteousness shall be added unto you. So I don't have to look for the righteousness. I just need to look for the kingdom. Yeah. God, how can I honor the kingdom today? How can I serve the kingdom? Your life is a life of servitude. You have to serve. And if you don't want to be categorized as a sinner, then you have one responsibility to do. Every morning you wake up, you serve the will of God. That's how you keep sin from even finding you. That's how you keep sin from even finding you. There's nothing wrong with dating. But I tell you this much. If you begin to tell people how much you love Jesus, the man and the woman that's trying to date you, and you tell them how much you love Jesus, and you begin to open up with a Bible study, uh, you pray at the end of the night when you get off the phone. Hey, our first date. Why don't they come? Why don't you come to church with me, or I can come to church with you. Whatever it is, when you when you put it on those terms, then they'll leave. Why do they leave? They leave because of the fact they say, "Listen, this ain't what I'm in for." Which means if you're not in it for kingdom, like I'm in it for kingdom then I don't need to be with you Bible says light and darkness has no fellowship I don't need nobody that I'm unequally yoked with but the problem is we don't never want to let God have rule and reign in our relationships and our finances and different things to show that, that God is this, your, is this your will there's not nothing that you're going through in life that I can't show you that God provided a way out of it in the Bible I'm, I'm dead serious People can blame their their sexual addictions off of being molested. There's people in the Bible who was molested. People can can blame their their desire not to share the gospel because they they can't talk. There's people in the Bible that had an ability to talk. I don't care what your issue is. Whatever your problem is, I promise you God can fix it. I, I know he can fix it so much, and I can say this because of the simple fact that he desired to fix your desire to sin. What is the answer for sin? That's, that's the whole thing. How do we solve this problem of sin? Sin's, it, sin's worst enemy is salvation. Sin's worst enemy is salvation because sin is saying I give in to the enemy. I give in to his die. Salvation says I give in to Christ. This is why the Bible says that Jesus Christ said that we can come and have life, that he came so that we can have life and we can have it more abundantly. When you get saved, your life doesn't end. When you get saved, it doesn't mean that you can't have sex no more. Whoever told you that, just stop lying. It just means you have to be married to have it. When you get saved, it doesn't mean you can't dance no more. You just can't be pop-locking and and twerking. and You got to change. You got to have a holy dance. Something got to shift. Something has to change. I'm just as crunk, just as driven, just as successful, just as happy, if not even more, being saved than I was being a sinner. But the reason why salvation doesn't work for many of us, because we don't enter it and give God all of us. Essentially, what has happened when we accept Christ. Babe, come here. When we accept Christ, this is essentially what happens. We are a union. We are one union. This my boo, I'm her bae. This is who we are. This is what we do. When I enter this union, it's just about me and her. Mm -hmm. We have a responsibility to build some things after we connect. But it's just about me and her. Amen. I want to make sure that you understand something. Scoot over, baby. Cam, you ain't my baby mama, But Come on up here because I ain't got no baby mama. Thank God the Lord has protected me. <laughs> many of us, many of us, when we see a good thing and we want to create a union, the problem is that we want to pull some other things into the union. And so you can have me. But you gotta deal with this. <laughs> but catch this, catch this. So, so this is the issue. Cause many people say, Well, I got children outside of my marriage. How do I handle that? Okay. You stand there. But this is what happens to that union. So we're a union. And yes, I have a past, but guess what we're finna do? You finna get right in the middle of this union. Because anything that we gotta do with this. We got to go through it together. The reason why many, many people got baby mama dramas and all this, because they try to keep it like this. You understand what I'm saying? This is why it's a problem. Because it's like this. I deal with you. Stay over there. I'm going to deal with you. That's what happens. Instead of saying, no, 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 you come here. And then, oh, what, you got a problem? We can help you. Let's figure this out together. But the reason why... The reason why it oftentimes end up like this, because this one wants his cake and eat it too. Yeah, I love you and you good for me. You make sure the lights are on and I got a roof over my head. But girl, you remember when? Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna come over late and pick up the kids, okay? This is where sin becomes an issue. This is where it becomes an issue because we don't want to relinquish the control. We're selfish. We leave ways. If you know you're trying to do the right thing, you got to say, forget that. Listen, if you want to be a part, I'm part of your life no matter what because we got kids, but at the end of the day, I know we don't have kids, but I'm part of your life because we got kids, but at the end of the day, she's part of your life too. In order to make sin submit, you got to put sin in check. I want to leave you right there. You have to be willing to put sin in check. In check. Look at what happens. David looks at a woman. He sees that she's beautiful. He desires her. He wants her. But then he gets word that she's not one you can have because she already has a man. David should have put himself in check right then. Okay, moving right along. How's the army doing today? But instead, he entertains it. And so as a result of him entertaining it, I'm going to let you go after that, Cam. I know you're getting tired. As a result of him entertaining it, what he essentially does, I want you to catch this. You can go, bud. He relinquishes that relationship. That union isn't important anymore. Why? Because I'm focusing on this. And so then when this doesn't work out, he finds himself in a position where he's stuck. He's alone. I'm saying, oh, you pregnant. What? Pregnant? No. No, no. (laughs) It ain't going down. (laughs) It ain't my baby. We never want to own up to our sin. I want you guys to be stronger. I want you guys to be wiser. I want to see happy marriages. I want to see successful singles. Singles. I want to see all of these great things work out in your lives. But in order for it to work out, you have to control your sin. You have to choose that you don't want to sin no more. And when you make that decision, you have to act upon it. So if we leave here with one assignment today, it's simply to keep our sin in check. It's not that sin is not going to find you because every once in a while we get distracted. We don't do what we're supposed to do. But when we identified sin... We have to get it in check. And, and, and don't sit here and act like, Pastor, I don't know what I'm sending, because all of us play it over in our mind. Ooh, I don't supposed to be doing that. The minute that you say that, don't do it. Just stop. Stop it now. When you think of sin, that should be your thought process. Rich, we got to find some little stop sign keychains. We're going to put these stop sign keychains on our keys, and we're just going to remind ourselves every time we look at it, this stop sign means that I need to stop it now. I don't need to be sinning. I need to get some bracelets, whatever. You know they used to have a WWJD, whatever it is. Stop it now. Because God expects more for us. And I don't want to fall victim to sin because I don't want to deal with the stress. Listen, I want to do something today because I know that we're all sinners and you can be bold. You can say that you are not a sinner. And you don't have an issue. Stay where you're at. That's fine. But if you know that you're struggling with a sin, nobody has to know your sin. If you know that you're struggling with a sin, I pray that you come. I'm not going to issue no other invitation. If you know that you're struggling with anything, I pray that you come. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we wanna extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry, This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows your heart to do so. Uh, You can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church. And there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give, and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message, and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.